0: this whole episode is just further proof that nothing good ever happens for couples in Ikea or Ikea-adjacent settings. It's the Ricardo Project, and today we're talking redecorating. <laughs> Hello, my beautiful Tropicanas. Welcome back to The Ricardo Project, the podcast where we watch through I Love Lucy episode by episode and talk about its historical, emotional, and comedic impact. My name is Dana, and I'm so excited that you've joined me today for season two, episode eight of I Love Lucy, which is called Redecorating, which premiered 70 years ago this Thanksgiving, November 24th, 2022. Nope, 1952. Sorry for the delay. It was my baby's first Thanksgiving and it was very distracting and he is in daycare now. <laughs> so, we should be getting back onto a regular schedule in fact. Um I have promised myself that now that I have some childcare uh, and I'm missing him so much that um I owe it to him and I owe it to all of you to really stick to my schedule and if I'm going to put him in childcare I need to make it count. So, this should hopefully be the very last delay. I'm gonna spend the next couple of weeks really, really, really trying to bank these episodes so that we don't have this issue in the future. And I'm super grateful to everyone who took the time to be patient with me. I also have a couple of projects that I'm working on that might be of interest to you all. I'll let you know when those come. But anyway, without further ado, let's hop into redecorating. Here's what happens. So Fred comes to the Ricardo apartment looking for Ethel, as is his want. And before we go any further into the episode, if anyone knows where to find Ricky's shirt in this episode, I beg of you, please tell me. He looks great. I know I always go on and on and on about Lucy's outfits, but Ricky looks amazing in this episode. And Ethel looks really good, too, later. The costumes are popping this season, that's all I'm saying. So Ricky says that Ethel and Lucy went to the home show, which is apparently like a furniture showcase with model rooms. It's 1950s Ikea. That's all it is. Maybe with less assembly required. (laughs) The guys lament that Lucy and Ethel will want new furniture for their apartments, but Ricky says that he has surprise tickets to the new Rodgers and Hammerstein show for the following night, and that should keep everyone chipper. I did a little bit of research, and this isn't about any specific musical. That's why they just keep calling it The Rogers and Hammerstein Show. But it was on the heels of The King and I, and it was on the heels of South Pacific from 1949. So we were in like The Rogers and Hammerstein heyday, but it wasn't about a specific one. So Fred and Ricky think they're in the clear, and it's at that exact moment that the ladies walk in, and they look disgusted by what they find. Lucy even refuses to sit on the couch because she hates it so much, and Ethel says that her furniture is even worse. She says that it looks crummy, which Fred uh, says is for good reason, which is that it is crummy. And I'm going to be honest. We saw a little bit more of Ethel and Fred's apartment. When was that? When... Oh, vacation for marriage. And honestly, Ethel's right. Like, they need to update. It's very old school, very prim and proper, and I think that they could style it up a bit. They were in vaudeville, for God's sake. I mean, they can have some pizzazz. The guys both say absolutely not to any new furniture. They all begin to bicker, but Lucy doesn't care because she and Ethel have entered a drawing to get all the new furniture for free. Lucy is convinced that she's going to win. Ricky says their chances are one in a million And Lucy counters that they each filled out 100 cards, so their chances are actually 1 in (laughs) 10,000. Ricky moves along, shares the news about the tickets to the musical, but Lucy refuses to go. The home show might call, and if she's not home, they might draw a different winner. She refuses to leave the house until the drawing is over, which I actually get. I mean, that's a huge deal. If I knew that you know, for three days I could receive a call and I had to be home for it where I could get all new furniture or whatever the equivalent is. Right now I really want to redo my yard and it's very expensive. If I knew that I could win a drawing to get a whole new yard and I really thought I had a chance of winning, I would stay wherever I needed to stay. So later, Fred is in a jaunty little hat, looking like a rat pack member. He's hanging out at the drugstore, as I said, everybody looks great this episode. Ricky comes in and says that he's over it. He's ready to trick Lucy into thinking she won the prize so that she'll leave the house and go to the Rodgers and Hammerstein musical. He asks Fred to make the call because obviously Ricky can't do it because he has an accent that is very distinct. Fred agrees, uh, but he has to order a double chocolate chocolate malted to give him strength. Once again, Fred Mertz represents me. Who knew? Back at 623 E68th Street, Ethel and her incredibly long phone cord join Lucy in waiting for the home show to call. Lucy is having trouble and is getting really frustrated because her phone is on a party line. Another early historical note, a party line was also called a multi-party line, a shared service line or a party wire. My understanding is that everyone would have their own phone number, but that like a few numbers would be linked onto one line and kind of share that service. So like... My 90s kids, you remember how <laughs> Remember how in the early days of the internet, you would have to like unplug your phone to plug your computer in. And then like if you would call someone, you would get like this like staticky sound because that meant that their like their internet or their fax machine was using the line. I think it's like that, but instead of in one house, it's like there were multiple phones and multiple households that could use the same line. That's my basic understanding of it. (laughs) The gist is Lucy can hear other people's calls and they're tying it up so that somebody couldn't get through if they were trying to call her. So the folks using the line are these two fantastic, fabulous biddies who are doing incredible voice work, by the way, who have a friend who finally set a wedding date after being engaged for 16 years, which is wild. Lucy asks them to please get off the phone and she and Ethel try to pretend that there's a fire, but... These ladies, they're not brand new. They know this chick's tricks. But Lucy has another trick up her sleeve, which is that she gets back on and she goes, oops, that goes my doorbell. I have to call you back, which gets both of them to hang up because they think it's the other person (laughs) saying it. It's very funny and it's, it's really brilliant. I love the voice work in this scene. So right as the ladies are about to give up, go make a sandwich, walk away from their phones, the phone rings and Lucy is told that she's won all the furniture. We know where this is going. So she immediately decides to sell all of her current furniture, including her coffee table that she just kicked and she broke a leg off of. So she quickly glues the leg back on as Dan Jenkins, secondhand furniture man, arrives picking his earwax, which is gross, but this actor is amazing. We'll get to him later. So he immediately calls all their furniture junk and... We get this really fun um, dichotomy, really, really, really good use of comic structure here where Lucy has to pivot from her stance that she's had the whole episode and she has to pretend that she loves the furniture and say that it's perfect and barely used. He goes to inspect the bedroom furniture and Lucy tells Ethel that she is ready to haggle him up. You know, she's going to get him higher and higher on the prices. He comes back, he offers her a hundred bucks and Lucy says, well, you better look again. And he does, and then he offers 90 Very funny. <laughs> Ethel says that the coffee table alone is worth more than $90, but the second she touches it, it falls apart again. So Dan Jenkins, secondhand furniture man, offers $75, and Lucy takes it. She decides to spend the money on new wallpaper and paint, and she and Ethel will install it themselves. I gotta tell you right now, having just purchased my first home, which needed a lot of work in the painting department, Um, I can't think of anything I'd rather do less than install wallpaper in this old school way where you have to like paste it. Wallpaper nowadays is kind of like, it's like a peel and stick. And even that I don't want to (laughs) do. Like, it would be so hard. I, oh God, Lucy is so, this is the thing about Lucy Ricardo that I love. She's eternally optimistic in the dumbest possible way. And, I admire it honestly. She is so she everything's going to work out for her even though it's so rarely done. She is just a delight. So Lucy buys this striped wallpaper that she calls dreamy, but the audience reaction tells me that it wasn't at all in style even in 1952 and it's it's pretty aggressive looking. It's it's a lot to take in. Lucy tries to measure it by like Stretching it like by stretching her arm up to the ceiling and then kind of guessing where it lands as a Capricorn, I felt certifiably unwell watching her try to measure it this way. They go to put the paper face down on the floor to put the paste on it. Ethel points out that it's going to get dirty if it's on the floor. So Lucy has Ethel hold it up like a up, up against her face, and she pastes it that way because wrinkly paper is better than dirty, I guess. As Ethel moves the paper up so that Lucy can continue to paste it, Lucy pastes Ethel's face. She drops the paper. She steps on it. She rips it. It's a mess. So they have to start over. This time they put it on the floor. Lucy goes to paste it. She spills paste all over Ethel. They go to put it up, but they go to different spots. It's super, super funny. I'm going to try to find the scene and put it in the show notes because it really should be seen. So, Mr. Jenkins stops by to schedule pickup or something, and Ricky comes home to all the furniture stacked in the living room. Lucy tells him she won, and she sold the furniture. And Ricky panics. He confesses that it was Fred calling. He begs Mr. Jenkins to cancel the sale. And Dan Jenkins, secondhand furniture man, says he can't sell the furniture back for only seventy five bucks. And because Lucy has signed a bill of sale, Ricky has to pay five hundred dollars. <laughs> They negotiate, which is really just Ricky desperately grasping at a, f- at a fee, and he pays 395 And Ricky is actually really cool to Lucy about all this. He knows it's his fault. He doesn't make a big scene or blame Lucy. I'm actually very surprised by his emotional intelligence. And he offers to carry furniture back into the bedroom, but Lucy looks a little nervous because they haven't finished the wallpaper. So Ricky goes in to see it. He immediately gets dizzy because it's all on angles and it's such a busy pattern. Again, very funny. Lucy, he asked Lucy to open a window, but she can't even find one because they papered over them. She says this is all a minor issue because she has to tell Ethel that she didn't win. And then she realizes that she doesn't even know where Ethel is. She starts calling for her and they've papered over the door. So when Ethel comes through, it looks like she's like the Kool-Aid man, like bursting through the wall. It's a great visual. This episode is full of very funny visuals. And right then, Fred comes in to find Ricky to tell him that he just he couldn't go through with the call and he's really sorry, which means that Lucy has won after all, and it only cost Ricky $395. And that's the episode. I think that we are really ready to roll now. We are in such a good part of the show. Like, we're really starting to get into I Love Lucy when it's just lived in and it feels like itself. And I was really satisfied by this episode. There's So there's three points I want to bring up in kind of our little reaction section. The first is that my favorite part of this episode is the way that Ethel and Lucy's relationship feels. It feels really lived in. It feels like they have conversations all the time. They spend a lot of time together. I like that they're kind of bickering but not in like a real fighting way. The way that friends who have known each other for a really long time do. There is not a person on this planet who is meaner to me than my best friends who have known me since I was 14 years old. They're so <laughs> sassy to me and I'm sassy right back to them because we know each other well enough that there's just no need to be polite anymore. And I feel like that's what's happening with Ethel and Lucy. When they're doing all the paste, Ethel is just yelling at Lucy about what a dummy she's being. And Lucy just yells back at her, I'm sorry, leave me alone. <laughs> and it feels great. There's an energy to it that is so relatable and so familiar and doesn't feel as like formal and 1950s-y as I think a lot of other shows of the era were trying to do and as even I Love Lucy has tried to do at times. I like the episodes where they, you know, go out and have to interact with the public and put on their hats and put on their gloves and put on their jackets and, you know, look like ladies going out. But this is the inverse of that. They're in work clothes covering up Lucille Ball's pregnancy and (laughs) – And they have scarves in their hair, and they're talking in this really casual way, and it's just delightful. It's super funny. Their chemistry has never been stronger, ever. It's so, so fun. And I love seeing the evolution of Ethel Mertz. I think that she's a really well-written secondary lead. She is not given necessarily, like, the rich historical backstory that Lucille Ball's character has. Like, Vivian Vance isn't necessarily being written with this, you know, with her own, like, wants and dreams and goals outside of what Lucy wants. But I think, nonetheless, Ethel is starting to be her own unique person who has opinions and doesn't necessarily just, like, exist to purely support Lucy. Like, she always helps Lucy because they're best friends, which is what best friends do. But – she, you know, thinks Lucy's being foolish and she tells her or she, you know, she thinks that this is not the proper way to do it or she bosses Lucy around. So I think those character traits are really, really fun and add a lot of depth to the show and a lot of realism to the show. I mean, there's unconditional backing and unconditional teasing. I think it's a, and it's really, really nice to see. The second thing I want to note is that I think that, you know, also in the Apple Mertz lane, I think we get this really interesting, and it's kind of a throwaway, but we get a really interesting insight into the Mertz relationship, which is that um, Fred swipes the extension cord of everyone's phones when they move out of the building so that he can attach it to Ethel's phone so that she can go all over the building with her phone. And it's not really explained why he does this. It's not really like Ethel says, you know, because I love taking my phone across the building. But there's something about it, again, that fills in the blanks and gives us insight into these people's inner lives that, to me, really says that Fred loves Ethel in a very different way. And the Mertzes love each other in a very different way than the Ricardos love each other. It's actually something I really like about this show is that the Ricardos have a kind of passion and, like, tenderness with each other. Um You know, they're always hugging. They're always kissing. There's all this, you know, there's a lot of episodes that revolve around jealousy or insecurity and, you know, they have kind of the youthful young love thing going on. But I think the Mertzes have this much more, not to continue to use this phrase, but lived in relationship And I love seeing Fred perform an act of service for Ethel. He knows that that's something she would like to be able to do, and he does it, and it's just casual. Don't tell the phone company, but every time a tenant moves out, Fred swipes the extension cord. He doesn't do that for himself. You think Fred Mertz wants to be on the phone? No. That is an act of love for his wife, Ethel, so that she can go anywhere she wants and have the phone with her. It's very sweet, and I love these little Easter eggs that tell us a little bit more about what these people's actual relationship is like. I think they, they're they doing a really good job with casual world building in this episode, I suppose is really what I'm trying to say. And then finally, I think because I talked recently about what episodes from season one I really didn't like, and I've been very hard on Be A Pal, during this episode, I was kind of struck by the fact that this is Lucy being pretty dumb, right? I really railed against Be a Pal for how stupid Lucy was and how it was really infuriating. And I, I think this shows an evolution on the writer's part because Lucy Ricardo in Be a Pal is unaware of what's going on around her and acting childish and in a juvenile way that asks other people to take care of her. You know, she's like puts on a baby voice and cries and um, isn't aware that everybody at the poker party, for example, you know, is really annoyed by her. In this episode, she's very social. And what I think in this episode, she's very socially aware. She's just naive and enthusiastic. And I think that's a really important distinction because Lucy is always going to be naive because her naivete is what leads her to do really funny comedic bits. And that's critical to the success of the show. You can't really have I love Lucy without the naive optimism of Lucy Ricardo. But if Lucy has that characteristic and is unaware of the way she comes off to other people, the conflict of the show then becomes that everybody else is super annoyed by her. And that she is in this kind of blissful ignorance thing, which puts her in like an idiot savant character without the savant. You know what I mean? And in this episode, like, I think that's one of the reasons why I responded so strongly to Ethel pushing back so much because Lucy's being really silly. But she has someone being like, hey, this is foolish. And we get instead the conflict is still that Ethel is annoyed by her. But the conflict is that Lucy is just really trying to make this work and and the comedy comes less from people rolling their eyes at her and more from her trying to problem solve to make this the foolishness of what she's doing better. And that's really just like punching up versus punching down, right? Like now we're looking at where the audience is asking you to laugh. Are we being asked to laugh in um in a detrimental way? Are we being asked to 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 laugh in a ridiculing way? Or are we laughing at the problem-solving element? And I think that's where I Love Lucy really sings is when Lucy Ricardo is actively problem-solving, but because of who she is, she's problem-solving in a strange and bizarre way. And I think the show has really figured that out and has pivoted appropriately, as opposed to be a pal where we're just laughing because we're like, you are not on this planet. You know, you're know, you not thinking clearly straight at all, and everybody around you just thinks you're being ridiculous. So I just wanted to address that because I think we're we're really pivoting and we've really landed in a nice place as far as the way that the show is structured with Lucy Ricardo's kind of central conceit, which is that she just really goes for it. So let's move on to historical notes. So this is the first of quite a few episodes where Lucy Ricardo wants new furniture for her apartment, and apparently um, pregnant Lucille Ball was – Uh, feeling pretty sick and tired of the way that the set looked. She wanted a new look, and so they just made a plot around it because I think they didn't really want to just replace the furniture when there's so many budget episodes. (laughs) How Riggie's like, we can't afford it, we can't afford it. And I like that. I don't really love when things just change in a show without the characters addressing it, especially a show about domesticity. I think it makes sense that this is its own episode. Also, as mentioned, you know, Lucille Ball was pregnant at this time. So they were laying all the groundwork for when Lucy Ricardo is going to be pregnant, which is in just a couple episodes. And this was an opportunity for CBS and the main sponsor of the show, Philip Morris, to separate Lucy and Ricky's beds. So at this point, Ricky and Lucy are sleeping in beds that are, are sleeping in two single beds that are pushed together. And after this, their beds will actually be separated. And that was intentional. That was a request of the sponsors and a request of the network and a request of the censors because we're about to enter a pregnancy storyline. And there was a lot of random censorship that happened on that. They couldn't say the word pregnant, for example. But in my opinion, most notably, their beds had to be separated because now we knew that they'd had sex. and So their beds are fully separated um, after this. And this episode was the handy dandy excuse to make that happen. Additionally, you know, you can see that Lucy is starting to be dressed in loose-fitting clothes. Um, The overalls she wears are really baggy. Her dresses are billowy. She's got swing coats on, these kind of things to start hiding her pregnancy at this point she would have been showing. Now we're going to go over to Dana's inflation station for a minute. Um, So Lucy gets $75 for her old furniture and she uses all of that to buy wallpaper and paint and hanging supplies. And $75 in today's money is $843.43. And I will say that that sounds about right. <laughs> it might even be on the low side. Wallpaper is crazy expensive. Then Ricky buys it back for $395, which is $4,442.07 in today's money. I tell ya, if I sold all of our furniture for eight hundred and fifty bucks, and then my husband had to buy it back for forty five hundred bucks. Ooh that mm, I don't think my husband would would be as cool as Ricky was because I got to tell you that's that's a lot of money. That's like several mortgage payments. And then finally, we have two little guest stars. Well, one, one and a half guest stars, really. So when Fred orders his double chocolate malted at the drugstore, he calls, um, he asks Hazel to give it to him. And that's a shout out to Hazel Pierce, who we've talked about before, who was Lucy Standen and showed up on a few episodes. She does not make a visible appearance, but I love that they called her Hazel in reference to Hazel Pierce. And finally... My beloved Dan Jenkins, secondhand furniture man, was played by Hans Conried, who is a fascinating actor. He was most known for actually being a voice actor. Uh, He uh, played the voice of Captain Hook in the Disney Peter Pan, and he also played Snidely Whiplash in the Dudley Do-Right cartoons, which is one of my favorite things. All the Rocky and Bullwinkle stuff I just loved as a kid. I had like the VHS collections of Rocky and Bullwinkle before he was on I Love Lucy, he played a psychiatrist that counseled George Burns on the George and Gracie show, and he was on I Love Lucy actually twice. His second appearance is in just a couple episodes during the pregnancy episodes. He's going to play an English professor, and I won't spoil anything else, but he, it is one of my favorite guest characters of all time. So next, but still this week, we will be watching Ricky Loses His Voice. Here's the log line for that. Ricky gets sick during rehearsals for a new show. He ends up losing his voice and has to stay in bed, prompting Lucy to secretly stage the show herself. This is one I have not seen. I, I truly can't remember it. It'll probably all come back just like they all do, but I'm really excited because the pregnancy episodes I've seen quite a bit. So it's kind of fun right before that to have one that I have genuinely no memory of. So I will see you in just a few days. The next episode will either be up on Thursday as promised or on Friday, um, just while I get reoriented to getting back on schedule. And then I promise you we will be back on track. And I really appreciate your flexibility. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, one last thing before I go. I just want to give a quick shout out to one of our beloved Tropicanas, our listener, Elizabeth, who is picking up her daughter in just a few days. So, we're all very excited for you over here, Elizabeth. And I, I know that we're nowhere near as excited as you are, though. But I just wanted to say hi. She sent, sent a very lovely email. And if you would like to email me, you can reach out to me. At, how was that for a transition? at thericardoproject at gmail.com or on Instagram at thericardoproject. I would absolutely love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating, reviewing this podcast, telling a friend about it. Any of those things are very helpful and help the show reach more people, which enables the show to continue. It means more to me than you know that you've taken the time to listen to The Ricardo Project. Have a wonderful week. And I will see you in just a few short days for Ricky Loses His Voice.